to the Gym Podcast. Uncut, unfiltered, unreal. Welcome everyone to the Gym Podcast. Joining me as always is the one, the only, Brandy Darsh. Hello everybody. Uh, we also have another special, very special guest. This week we have the one, the only, Banana Joe. Hello, coming to you from Alabama. I am 100% 43. I have a wife and three kids. That is all you need to know. This is the first. There's 40... some big word behind that that people, some people won't get, but some people will. So that's okay. Yeah, we don't allow 11 year olds um, on this show, so I'm glad we have our first 43 year old uh, appearing on the Jim Podcast. Groundbreaking. All right. So without further ado, we're going to go into our quick recap of the previous week. We had a pretty good week of football. Um, we'll start with. The Clemson game, it is officially dab over for the season as Clemson falls to two and two. Although they looked better, it is now dab over because you can't really go to the playoffs in a weak conference at two and two. So I guess we'll see what they do from here. Is it safe? And I was kind of on the fence. Yeah. I was kind of on the fence if Clemson was looking better, if Florida State was looking worse, especially since last week they had a really rough game against Boston College and it just seems like back to back meh weeks for Florida State. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I feel like Florida State might actually not be all the good, or at least, like, they're not the number four team of the country good. You know what I mean? You say I, that, but, like, they've got two pretty high-quality wins. To It doesn't matter, I guess, how good you look. If you win, you win. Because, I mean, to beat LSU, who's now looking pretty decent, and to beat Clemson, who, you know, by all accounts, isn't horrible and has a lot of talent, I mean, that's the two biggest tests they're going to have. They still have to play Florida and Miami. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they're off to a great start. Florida we'll State's got Duke on the year. They're they legit. Duke. They're undefeated. We'll and they game. become them too. Uh, yeah. um, another game, I see you wanted to recap. <laughs> I probably for not any biased reasons, I'm sure, but Minnesota blew a 31 to 10 fourth quarter lead to a horrible Northwestern team yeah. where they rushed the field with like 10 total students. And that was funny. Yeah, if you haven't seen like the images of the post game rush, it's, I'd say, an instant classic. This is probably the smallest student rush. Uh, of the field I've I've ever seen in any game, but a hilarious result nonetheless. They made, they made Vanderbilt look like a party school when they were rushing <laughs> to go in Florida. Yes. Did you uh, include this because you wanted to talk about PJ Fleck? I just know how he kind of riles you up his shtick. I could give it just like I'll, I'll just say this. Um, no surprises. I think what what makes me happy is I'm finally like really for the first time seeing Minnesota fans turn on PJ Fluke. I'm seeing a lot of internal kind of, you know, people waking up to the fact that he is, in fact, a snake oil salesman. So I, I, it warms my heart. That's all I'll say. Well, here's the thing. Until a couple of years ago, I was kind of buying into the PJ Flute hype, too. But it was actually you and other Wisconsin fans that finally convinced me of his used car salesman shtick. And I hear even radio guys like Cole Kubelik, who comes in the radio here, falls for his shtick and talks about how he loves PJ Fleck and this and that. But then when you really, like, dissect his shtick, it is all shtick without any substance to it. Mm-hmm. And he just comes off like a used car salesman. So it's like, he has this philosophy that's where it's like, you have to be positive all the time. And I can never be negative or yell at a player kind of thing. Yeah. So it's like this almost like form of toxic positivity. Here's the thing. Every human being on this earth 
there's there's a difference. It's not helpful to you. I think most young people actually do want to be coached and want to be grown. And it's okay to yell at and criticize somebody as long as you have that baseline relationship built, like foundationally, with the mentor, the older person that's kind of guiding you, coaching you, training you, whatever. Yeah. But I don't think he actually builds that actual personal relationship with his players. It doesn't seem like. It's almost like... If our players came to Coach Saban and said, hey, I have a personal problem, I need some advice, I feel like Coach Saban would 100% talk to them man-to-man like a human being. I feel like if a P.J. Fleck player came to P.J. Fleck and said the same thing, he would give him some kind of corny one-liner about being positive and then <laughs> send him out of the office. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, when you start talking about that, I was I immediately thought of Saban. Um, and it's the worst type of coach because – they're not talking to their players. They're talking to everyone else. It's just, I want the media to make me look just so amazing. My players, I don't really care, but they don't look, I just want to look really nice in front of them. Exactly. It's like kind of personality. They're those two, like, always good teams, they felt to me. But Minnesota just, I, I don't know how to describe it, but it's just, it's like hollow. Hollow. They just feel hollow. Dude, I'm using that as an excuse from now on. That's well said. They look power. And another thing about PJ Fleck is, well, actually really about Saban is, you know how Saban is like the stereotypical coach to like scream at his players, yell at them, really ride them. And he's probably like really hard to be a player for. The thing is, we have so many former players that come back to campus that love Coach Saban and talk about how he's the best thing that ever happened to him. And that just goes to show, like, the most important thing you can do is not just be positive and give motivational one-liners. It's to actually build a personal connection with your players. And whenever you, like, whenever you do that, whenever you ride them and whenever you really get onto them, it's because the players have, like, this instinctive understanding that they're doing that because the coach knows they're not living up to their potential. That's really well said, Randy. Well said. I didn't expect to go that hard on PJ Flag this early in the episode or even no. at all, but no, I'm glad we did. I'm glad we put it out there. Uh, but we should we should I'm probably sorry move to on. our Minnesota listeners. Listen, <laughs> I'm sorry to our Minnesota. I know we have at least one, maybe two. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I just had to be honest about PJ Flag. You guys can do better. I do like the Saban former players thing because a lot of the time when you see former players coming back to school or talking about their college, it's because they're winning or they're about to play a big game. But with Alabama, it's like when they're losing, like when they're not as good as they used to be, that's when they start speaking up saying everyone needs to step up. They need to keep up the Alabama standard. Exactly. I love that point because that's very true. The former players, they try to be motivating to the current players and actually make it like a it's a culture thing. They they really buy into that. And that's one thing that's also made Saban very successful is how much those former players really buy into the process even after they leave. They still live by it. There you go. Shame on Minnesota for not living up to Alabama standards. We'll exactly. We'll leave it at that. Okay, we got to move on now <laughs> uh, to another game that I want to talk about, which is Ohio State barely surviving Notre Dame, followed by Ryan Day basically saying he's going to kill Lou Holtz on, on TV. Um, your <laughs> thoughts on all this, guys? I will say Notre Dame, it almost seems like every single year Notre Dame is in this position where they just need one big win to like elevate them to playoff team, playoff standard, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they always come up short in the most heartbreaking ways. I know the Notre Dame fans that we, sp- that we speak to on a regular basis, 
A lot of times they would say like big game Brian was the reason who's now at LSU. Yeah. But I mean it keeps kinda happening. I mean the it's, they lost in the most heartbreaking way too. Literally a walk off one yard touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it it just supports it just feels like Ohio State has plot armor, which really <laughs> sucks. It, it's rich coming from an Alabama fan, but no way there no. Ten players on the field for the last two plays is Absolutely. And then defending it, defending having two players on there, which either means he knew and he was just like, oh, it's fine. We don't need to get 10 or 11. Or he didn't know and he was just trying to cover himself for it. Wait, did he say he knew they had 10 and didn't call the timeout? Did they have a timeout to call? Yeah, or? he said, yeah, I, uh, if I recall correctly, Freeman said uh, that they just didn't want to get a penalty for substituting or anything. I don't remember if Notre Dame had timeouts. It's better to get the man. It's better to get the. Yeah, that's a bad thing for him to man, say. Man, I mean, I love, the, I love the I love the plot armor. Yeah. Um, little and <laughs> dude, Banjo is cool. I know we're not the ones that can say that, like just based on how we are, because sometimes yeah. it feels like we have it. But yeah, they it's like they finally have a freshman quarterback that looks not great. He's having a bad game. They miss. They have multiple horrible fourth down attempts during the game, and then all of a sudden, the last drive, this freshman quarterback looks great. So it goes. Uh, Ohio State did the impossible and made me feel sad for Notre Dame. It's hard to do. It's hard to do. Uh, one team I don't feel sad for. This is the last game I want to talk about for recapping. Is Colorado getting? BTFO'd. We, we got to talk about this. Uh, gentlemen, h- how happy were you to see Deion Sanders fail, finally? Well, we didn't see it because the Bama game was on at the same time. And <laughs> you missed it, game. dude. Did you watch the highlights? I did watch the highlights. Just from what I could tell, um, it looks like... So Colorado was able to define... They have a very undersized defensive line and offensive line. And from the highlights, I could tell from... You know, I watched, we watched a little bit mm-hmm. of it. It very much looked like their lines were just getting pushed around. And while Shador Sanders is good, he can't. He was fighting for his life every play, it seemed like. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty accurate. Um, what actually impressed me the most, I, I'll say it, credit where it's due, Bo Nix and Oregon look pretty good. I mean, their offense in particular was just, just lights out the whole game. They, in the first half, man, I'm pretty sure they scored a touchdown in every drive. I'm pretty sure that happened. So Onyx leaving Auburn was a great blessing because I could finally say that I really like Bonix. I've said before he's my Heisman pick for this year, but he can. I really think he. Can, a lot of people don't think he's an NFL quarterback. I disagree. I I just like his style of play against everyone except Georgia. <laughs> but he he really does. He just makes plays happen when they shouldn't. I wouldn't dog Colorado too hard for this. This was actually part of Dion's plan. If you just let Oregon score as many points as they want, you have film on every possible offensive play they have when they meet in the Pac-12 champion. No, you are. I don't think it's, crazy. I don't think it's some kind of masterful like plan like that. But I mean, I could see, I could see this not really being a big deal to Colorado's season or anything because it's like, well, we didn't have Travis Hunter, you know, whatever, whatever. So it's not. Yeah. I think I actually do think Colorado's going to have a much better chance against USC because the yeah. thing with Oregon is they have correctly, you know, power five sized players on both ends of the, on both lines as for linebackers and their corners are actually pretty decent. USC, 
Yeah, they have a competent defense. While USC's defensive line is not as big, they're still undersized. They have smaller linebackers, and their corners aren't very good. And this has been a problem for, and it's a problem now because they just got almost beat by Arizona State, who was horrible. But it's a problem for them, and it's always been a problem for Lincoln Riley teams yeah. and for his defensive coordinator that he always brings with them, which is that Grinch guy, whatever, Alex Grinch. And it wasn't just any Arizona State team that they were close with. Um, Arizona State had the second worst offense in the Power Five behind Iowa. Shocker. I, I mean, this wasn't just like a middle of the road, okay, pack offense, whatever. No, this was the second worst in all of the Power Five. And they still were doing good against them. Exactly. They were getting touchdowns and they were moving the ball, which would be should be very concerning for USC fans. I'm no fan, but I'm concerned for them. So, yeah, that should be a good one to watch this weekend, Colorado versus USC. All right. Now we are going to move on to our next segment, the This Was Their Super Bowl Award. Oh, I've got one. I'll, Go I'll, ahead. I'll start it off. I'll say it up front. Like, I get that this was a big win on the road, but but flat out, it's Ohio State. The, the way that team celebrated, specifically Ryan Day, like seeing that from, like, the leader of the team act like they just won the national championship – it's, I, I'm telling you, this is why Ohio State keeps losing to Michigan. This is why Ohio State just, like, can't quite get to that next level that they want. It's because it, it, of games like this, man. It's, it, I, I don't know how else to describe it. Ryan Day is just an extremely disingenuous man. And uh, I think we saw that on Saturday. I, I understand that. I'm actually going to give uh, this was their Super Bowl award to us, Alabama, <laughs> because... We, here's the thing. I don't think you realize how, like, we have our own Alabama fan server, right? I don't think you realize how hard we were celebrating and how happy we were to I think that's the lose. Yeah, a lot of us were picking us to lose, and a lot of our own fans were picking us to lose, and we have been such, I know we've been very negative on our team this week, very. but for us to come out and look not totally incompetent, Tommy Reese finally called plays. For the talent that Milrow has, we were able to move the ball consistently. Yes, he had a couple of really bad mistakes, and the center cost us the first and goal with the one that we had to kick a field goal for. There was some very a very costly interception in the end zone, but it's okay. We actually looked competent. We moved the ball, and we beat Lane Kiffin by two touchdowns and didn't get got. Well, we, so, held, we held an Ole Miss Lane Kiffin offense to 10 points, which, I mean, especially for how like excited Lane Kiffin seemed about the game. Uh, I'm really happy with our defense. Like only 10 points given up to Ole Miss seems great to me. I think we've only allowed, I think, five total touchdowns in four games, which is pretty good. Congrats on the Super Bowl. My uh, Super Bowl yeah, Joe. Would, would probably have to be Oregon State, Washington State. They were playing hard. It was the last two of the pack teams, two-pack. Oregon State tried to mount a comeback near the end, but it was all Washington State the whole time. Sucks a little bit because I liked Oregon State last year, but DJU uh, kind of fell off after the first two weeks. Yeah, Washington State, I mean, here's the thing. I'm, I'm like, contractually obligated to hate both Washington State and Oregon State. Um, but on the other hand, I need Washington State to win and, like, do well this year because they are our only loss. So I'm torn. Quality loss. A quality loss. I am torn on this one. But, yeah, it, I, I, could, I could see that. They were, they were celebrating very hard over in the Pac-2. 
Okay, so now without further ado, we're going to our new favorite segment, which is the mailbag. And actually, I have two uh, personal mailbag entries before we get to it that certain people wanted me to ask. So my uh, my wife, my pole assassin, she, the great reference, Texas reference, Texas special teams coordinator reference for those that don't know. Um, she wanted to know your opinion because you're from Wisconsin. Yeah. So at Buffalo Wild Wings, they got served cheese curds with caramel sauce. Is that like a thing or? That's not, I can assure you that is absolutely not a thing. Was the sauce like on the cheese curds or was this like a dipping thing? I think it was a dipping sauce. No, I, I'm telling you now, that is absolutely vile and would never be served in Wisconsin. All right. Well, I'm glad we got confirmation on that. Um, my mom wanted to know, what was the deal with Jimbo Fisher being on the field during the Auburn-Texas A&M game? <laughs> what was the deal with that? I mean, so I, I'm not real John. <laughs> Banana Joe, did you see that? I did, he even got in tackle formation when the Auburn guy came at him. And then realized <laughs> I can't tackle him. So, Jimbo, for those that are trying to piece together what happened, um, basically the Texas A&M was on offense. Jimbo Fisher was on the field, like, past the hash, like, right at the numbers for whatever reason. But the play ended up being a pick six. And so because it was a pick six right there, they were coming the other way. Jimbo wasn't really able to get out of the way. So you just see uh, all the Auburn players running, barreling towards Jimbo Fisher. And he's just trying to, like... He even got in tackle formation. Like, he was yeah. ready to get hit by a player. This is, and it was very funny to watch. This is why and, I, I don't get why coaches ever go on the field. Like, I, it, it really, it's so weird to me. You see it in basketball a lot, too, where, like, the coach is, like, literally on the court. Like, I, I, I really think refs should start calling that more often because of this exact situation. Like, someone's going to get hurt sooner or later, you know? Exactly. We have we have get back coaches for a reason. If those are still a thing, <laughs> they are. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. Where you have a coach that literally holds on to the guy, to the coaches, to the head coach's belt, and like tugs him if he's trying to get too far into the field. I say, oh, if a coach, sorry, I'll say if if a coach is on the field, it should just be fair game to tackle him. I think that's how you solve this. Exactly. Treat it like you're part of the field, playing field. Yep. All right, and so I'm not in favor because if Nick Saban gets hit a little too hard, he's <laughs> gone. He would die. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so for this week, uh, we asked the viewers, the listeners, to give us who do they think in the best, who do they, who do they think the best team in the nation is, and we're going to discuss these points and argue them. Um. So from Four Wombleys, he says Washington's. They have a big Phoenix. Yeah, they do have Michael Phoenix is their quarterback. Yeah. Um. We got a lot of Washington here, folks. So I'll just say on Phoenix. He's living up to the hype so far. I'll say that. He looks pretty good. So he's a transfer from Indiana, and I think he's one of those quarterbacks that very much just needed a change of scenery. He's put up a lot of big numbers. To be fair, Washington's schedule has been a little yeah. softer. They played a very they played Michigan State right after they fired Mel Tucker. They played California, eh, Tulsa, eh, yeah. Boise State. I mean, it's not the same Boise State that we remember from 2007. So, But they did... I mean, they completely destroyed every single team, so That's that true. means gonna mean something. And they do play Oregon, and it looks like three weeks, so they're gonna get tested. That's gonna be a huge game, and it's a home game for them. So I can understand why people are picking Washington because so far they're the only real team to not actually show a weakness. Uh, well, I think when they face Oregon, it's gonna go from big Phoenix to big pick energy. Absolutely, Phoenix is winning the Heisman. Big Nick's energy. I got you. No big pick energy. 
Oh, okay. That's a quote. That's a quote. All right. Rodan64 asks, USC, but do you think they've played any real competition? I mean, didn't you see how close that game was against yeah. Arizona State? They've got an elite offense. I'll say that. Their, their offense is good enough to win a national championship, but their defense is so bad that it's going to cost them games sooner or later. Yeah. I just don't think it's sustainable. You can win against these teams that just, once you get to the fourth quarter, they're out of energy. They don't have the backups that you have. They just can't keep up with you. But against other competition, Washington, Oregon, all that, uh, they can keep up with you, and your defense, they'll just get left behind. That's exactly exactly true. I see six very losable games for USC coming up on their schedule. They have to go at Colorado, then at Notre Dame, then play Utah, then Washington, then at Oregon, then UCLA, which are all decent teams. I mean, I just don't think their defense is going to be able to keep up either. They're undersized. They're just, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you, man. I would like to be proven wrong for what it's worth. I mean, I don't hate USC. I really don't hate Tebow like others. But, I mean, nothing Tebow has ever done suggests to me that he's going to get it turned around and finally have a decent defense this year. All right. Now we have another one that is from Cameron. Okay. Wisconsin. Have you ever met a Badger before? Yes. I have never seen a Badger in real life. Really? We've got, we've got some at the zoo here. They don't live in Alabama, so they're like not native here at all. That's the thing. But we had American badgers in Alabama. We had, we did. Okay, I didn't know that. I've, I've never seen one. I've I, seen I moles. They're not moles, dude. They're badgers. No, I'm saying badgers eat moles, don't they? Uh, badgers, yeah, badgers are in Alabama. Badgers eat gophers. Look it up. Why would Minnesota choose a gopher as their I, mascot if they know their rival's it's, mascot? They're masochistic, dude. That's the only solution. But, Cam, I'm with you, dude. Wisconsin is clearly the best team in the nation. Good pick. I say that. Okay, so the next question, or the next uh, entry is from DK. He says, Penn State, because they're the only team to not struggle against the weaker team so far. Well, Penn State has not struggled against the weaker team so far, neither has Washington, and we just talked about them. So, you know, he, his point is appreciated, though, because it is true. They haven't struggled. They're one of two teams to not have struggled against the weaker competition. They looked good against Iowa. Their defense especially. I mean, I get I get that Iowa's offense is terrible, but regardless, Penn State's defense does look I think good. Their offense, I don't think the Iowa offense is as bad as it was last year. I think it's a little bit better without – what's his name? I'm not even going to say their quarterback's old name. I think it did – I think the only two teams worse are Sam Houston and uh, – I forget the other one, but they're the second worst in FBS. It, it's not good, uh, but – They've played. They've played good teams. They've played good defenses. I'm a Penn State believer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're definitely one of the better Big Ten teams. They could pull off winning the Big Ten this year. Oh, but sure. yeah, um, I don't know if they're the best right. For for what it's worth, I just want to read off a couple of stats here from the game. Okay, Penn State held Iowa to just four first downs the entire game. Ooh. They they mm-hmm. held them to twenty rushing yards. 56 passing yards. I get that Iowa's bad. Like, I, I get that their offense is not good, but I don't care who you are, man. Four first downs the entire game, that's a really good defense. Look up for Penn State. Well, it shows uh, that they were still in the game the whole time. They never, like, zoned out when it was yeah, 31 to 0. Exactly. Kept exactly. 
That's actually a good point because the the sign of like a great team are teams that stay focused even when they're up by a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be interesting because ultimately that they're in the same division as Michigan and Ohio State, so that's all going to like work itself out. So, but I think Penn State they hey, have one of their better teams. Shout outs, Jen. Um, anyway, we next we are moving on to Posty. He said Indiana, and then in parentheses put vibes. No. 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 You're counting them out. There's no vibes supposed to hear. No vibes, Kizzy. So, Bro says Washington has stomped every team they've played. Undoubtedly, my number one so far. All right. Starfire. Let's keep track of the Washington posts, guys. We're on two so far. (laughs) Is it two or three? I think it's two. Yeah, it's two. two. Well, for number three on the Washington post, we have Starfire says Washington. Because they have obliterated all of their opponents so far. They have won convincingly regardless of the team they have faced. Yeah, I mean, another Washington, that's three. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Rhett, Akron, refs robbed them in four overtimes. The first Didn't serious just... answer. Wasn't that, did they just play Andy, Indiana? Yep, took him to OT. Yeah. Took him to OT, dude. Yeah, um, they just played Indiana and they lost in four overtimes to Indiana. Maybe Indian, maybe maybe Posty was on to something. Um, yeah, for what it's worth, it, that game was kind of rigged, and I do wish Akron had won. But uh, what can you do? I love to see some chaos. Um, from X, another Washington. Washington has blown out everyone and might have the best performing player right now. That is true. I Isn't have that? Phoenix on my September Heisman watch. He just needs to get... If Phoenix, Michael Phoenix is able to beat Oregon, he's going to skyrocket on the Heisman boards. He's going to have his moment. Because in order to beat Oregon, he's going to have to have that moment. Yeah, for sure. Beating Oregon looks pretty huge right now. It does. Uh, Bama side up. Bishop Sycamore. Everyone is ASS. I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. I think there are a few teams that look good. I, I just think that the regular teams that normally look dominant right now aren't looking so dominant, a.k.a. Alabama, a.k.a. kind of Ohio State, kind of Georgia. It seems like all the teams people are talking about are teams that we normally don't talk about. People normally don't talk about Washington or Penn State or USC. So it's I... definitely better than last year where just no one felt good. Last year, it didn't feel like anyone was a national champion by this time or even further into the season. At least now we've got some teams like, yeah, that's that's a team to beat in most conferences. Yeah, I totally right. agree. So next is Hashbrown, 132, shout-outs. Uh, he says, Penn State, they have looked great all season, have a good quarterback and elite defense. Well Very said. Very true. Well said, Hashbrown. Well Again, said. elite defense, guys. I'm telling you, look up for Penn State's defense. That's what you need is great quarterback play, which they have, elite defense, which they have, and a team that stays focused for all four quarters, which they have. Saxo Steve says, another Washington. He says, Washington, they were by far the best team last year to have nobody get drafted. Michael Penix, if healthy, is a top-tier quarterback. Johnson, Nixon, and Rodgers is, is a legit three-headed monster at running back. The wide receivers are good, too. That is the thing, is Washington also, I've noticed this, too, is that they have a very deep running back room with a very elite quarterback. That's got to take a lot of pressure off of them. Also, they have great wide receivers. They just have a great offense, and they have defensive talent. I mean, they're just another one of those good overall teams. Yeah. Um, he also included some more points. Here we go. The kicker seems good enough. He's only three or four of the year. Their defense is very stout. Um, 
whenever you look at what they gave up on defense, it's always in garbage time. So their defense is yeah. getting it done where it matters. True. What he's mildly concerned about is a plus three turnover margin. But I'm not gonna let it stop me from saying the real W. No, the real UW is no. number one in my book. Nope. Sacks beat Steve. Wa- you put in parentheses. Beat Washington State if you want to be UWSMH. Hey. Shaking hey. my head. The same is true for Washington, pal. They have yet to beat them. That's all I'll say, Sacks of Steve. But I, I do understand Washington looks good this year. And that is a shocking stat to me. So has their kicker only kicked four field goals all year? He's only attempted four. I was going to say, that is kind of a shocking stat. I mean, I think they played some pretty bad defenses. But even then, against bad teams, you see, like, oh, here and there, we'll have to kick a field goal. I don't have it in front of me. Yeah, he's 3-4. He's 3-4 on the season. I would be curious to see how often they go for it on fourth down, because if you have good running backs and a good line, you might as well go for it more often than not, right? That that is true. I've got some uh, percentages here in front of me, Randy. They're four for six on the year on fourth down conversions. So I mean, pretty good, but like not going for it that much. It, it just seems like they score a lot of touchdowns, right? They get in the red zone and they just score a touchdown. That, that's probably just how it's been going this year for them. So that's pretty good. It's a pretty good sign. All right, from Geo, we have John Hopkins because we are undefeated. John Hopkins, they are undefeated, and they're a uh, FCA, no, Division Three. I find John Hopkins interesting because they're a football team, and the entire, t- it's a medical school, like, only medical students are there, so, like, it's, it's the entire football team is medical students. They know where to hit you. They know where to, exactly, they know where to inflict the most amount of pain. <laughs> so. I didn't realize they were D3, I just thought they were, like, FCS. I did, too. That's interesting. interesting. That's interesting. Good for them. All right, from Soro. He says, I think Ohio State after beating Notre Dame. Why not Georgia, Michigan, Texas, Florida State? Georgia and Michigan have simply not been meaningfully tested. Not Texas because they beat Alabama because of two lapses of judgment amongst all the other problems, wiped 14 points off the board. If those two penalties didn't happen and the game was exactly the same, Alabama wins and the conversation is completely different. And then in in parentheses, he did put copium over. No, that's pure copium. You have to admit to it. Yeah. yeah. We, we lost that and that Florida State team just isn't going to beat Ohio State. That's true. The women ACC can enjoy a New York Six win, but not the CFP. I, I will say this very quickly is that, like, we first horribly as we played in that Texas game. For them to, like, for us to be winning in the fourth quarter was a miracle in itself. I just, I wanted to point oh, that out. I don't think. Go. Man. Texas fans keep trying to. I, talk, I talked about this last week. Texas fans are doing this weird thing where they are really trying to hype us up because they want their win to look yeah, as Alabama, good as possible. Alabama, dude, it's, it's a good. Any anyone who beats we, Alabama, we, yeah, no, beat Barry, we are in Alabama. It's a good. No, win, I dude. get that. I get that. But they played the absolute worst version of Alabama in the past like fourteen years, fifteen oh, years. Gosh. So, all right, all right. Nah. I mean, they still beat us. We were so confident. There are still people doing horns down at the game this week, so. <laughs> I, well, I did, so so that was actually funny on the Jumbotron or whatever. I saw a couple of the students doing horns down on the oh, on the camera, God. so I, I guess that's going to be a new SEC tradition that's just going to happen. We have a budding rivalry with Texas, I guess. Do you want to finish the rest of um, Soros' uh, statement? Yes, I, yes, yes, I'm getting to it. Okay. Why Ohio State then, bud? 
Ohio State walked into a hostile environment that was hyped to all hell and won a defensive game. It is as simple as that. The team that can shut up and nut up is a champion. And that moment, Ohio State did just that and were the best team in the country. Until Georgia or Michigan are meaningfully challenged, it is what it is. That being said, I hate that Ohio State ran the ball in a short yardage situation and the QB was not under center. Yeah, Brian Ryan Day, coaching genius, hates Lou Holtz, but ran a jet sweep on a fourth and short. Yeah, I actually appreciate his point, though, because it's like at the end of the day, they walk into an extremely hostile environment on the road, played badly, but then won a defensive the thing, you know, contest. The thing about they football, played badly and still won. That, that's the thing. The thing about football, dude, is literally if that last play was six inches shorter we would not be having this conversation and you'd be saying Notre Dame is the best team of the nation. I, I, you know what I mean? Like, I, 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 look, I try to look at it holistically. And holistically, I think Ohio State came out flat. They, they had missed a lot of opportunities. They didn't look very tight. And, I think and they, they still won versus a but, very but when talented they play a good team. team like Michigan or Georgia in the, in the playoffs, it, they're, they're just waiting to be exposed. I'm not buying the hype. Okay, it's a long season. And the thing with Ohio State is I have to give them this kind of credit is that they have gradually improved week by week by week. Like, they are getting better. So by the time they actually have to play another one of these teams, they're going to be even more improved. Yeah, and they, they getting tested early well. means, these early tests build you more as a team than anything. Like, they're going to improve because of this game and because of this experience. They're, gonna, they're not going to do some crap like attempting a – Shotgun jet sweep on fourth and one versus Michigan because they better saw not. what happened. They better not. Oh man. No, that's the last thing they'll expect. Then they'll do it. <laughs> All right. Larry says Oregon Ducks. No other comment. All right. I put them on the They got a pretty good team. They've got I a pretty good team. They do. I'm high on Oregon too. Uh, from Banana Joe, who is here, I'm still going to read his take. <laughs> says, if I'm honest, Penn State, they haven't had a close game yet against some good competition and really haven't shut off many weaknesses in their team. Also, from what I've seen, Michigan and Ohio State would both need some serious improvement to beat Penn State. But, Angel, your thoughts on that? Um, well, I think the person who said this might be an analytical genius with how they've been talking. But, uh, I mean, as Randy said, uh, Ohio State does improve throughout the season. So I honestly would think Ohio State has a better chance of beating Penn State than Michigan does. I don't know if they play in the regular season, but they would in the Big Ten Championship. They do play each other. Yes. Oh, no, they, no, they wouldn't. They're in the same side, aren't they? Yeah, they yes. play each other. They play each other already. Okay, All three of these teams play each other. Yeah. Then, yeah, um, Michigan just does honestly not look good at all. Um, they come out really slow. Um, Harbaugh is more interested in arguing with the refs half the time. <laughs> Um, I mean, you don't come out slow against Rutgers. True. And just trailing. blow that off. They were trailing seven to nothing for a while. They, they were trailing. They were trailing Rutgers. Pretty bad. To be fair to Michigan, I feel like they've done this for like three years in a row now, and then still somehow beat Ohio State by like four touchdowns and then go to the playoff. That's true. I just what I want to see in Michigan. What I want to see is just some explosiveness. Like I feel like they've got the pieces right. Like they're a very talented team. Obviously, overall good coaching at Harbaugh, but it's just like they run the most boring, conservative Big Ten football you could imagine. But they win, so I don't know. Maybe they just like winning. I guess. Yeah, give us some highlights. Give us some highlights. Exactly. Exactly. Trend. 
Georgia, until proven otherwise, remember when they struggled against Kent State and Mizzou early last season? Uh, they not the same team. It's not the same team. It's true. I, I, I get what he's saying, though. I mean... They just, to me, like, Georgia, to me, is kind of like Michigan, where it's like, they're, they're just, they're so... There's something about a man. They like they like all flash, and I, I get you know substance over style, but I, I don't know, man. To me, like in the college game, you kind of need a quarterback that's gonna light it up. You know, a guy like a Caleb Williams or a Bo Nix or a Michael Penix that can like take over the game in a close situation. I don't think Georgia has that this year. Under what's his name again? Carson Beck. Is Carson it? Beck. Yeah, he's the guy. And that- even I was gonna say, even Stetson Bennett was able to. I think looking back, I think he might have been more talented than we gave him credit for. I mean, he worked hard to be able to be in a position to be that talented. Like it yeah. took a lot of work. I think by the end of his career, he was a big talent. He's 26 I mean, years he, old. He was like 26 years old, so like he had tons of experience, right? Whereas this of, kid's that's like that's also part of it. He's 25, you know? 26, yeah. with all this experience played against 18 year olds. Yeah, so that helped him a lot. Um, Carson Beck is a freshman or something. Bennett would definitely be a little shocked. Like, I was surprised how mobile he was. I mean, he could really move, which is the last thing I thought he'd be able to do looking at him. Mm-hmm. And now they go to Beck, and they it feels like we took Stetson Bennett for granted, definitely. Yeah, Carson Beck doesn't have that same, like, weird, shifty mobileness that is kind of was unexpected from Stetson Bennett, but he did have it. I know exactly what would, you're would saying. You, would you call him uh, sneaky athletic? I'm not going to use the, the term. Gym rat, but... maybe? I'll leave it at that. You know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. All right, so All right, we, we tallied ahead this ahead. up real quick. I want to say we tallied up everyone's uh, votes, and Washington won by a pretty big margin. Washington had five votes. Uh, followed by Penn State with two votes. And after that, as far as, like, serious <laughs> um, votes went, we had Georgia, Oregon, Ohio State, and USC tied for third place. So that's the playoff picture right now, folks. You guys love Washington. I mean, I like them, but I don't know if I love them. So we'll see what happens. Do we want to finish this segment off with our personal top Ooh. five? Uh, personal best team? Okay, yeah, I'll I'll give my um I'll give my top five. Let's each go our top five. Um, number one, I'm probably going Oregon. Don't hate me. Number two, uh, Penn State. Number three, Texas. Number four, uh, Florida State. And five, let's go Georgia. All right, I'm gonna give my top five. This is gonna be considered a power ranking. Yeah. So, and I'm also going to put, you know, based on who they've beaten, you know, deserving, you know what I mean? So, number five, I'm going to go Florida State. They have the best resume, but I just don't think they're as good as some of the other teams I'm going to list. Number four, I'm going to put Washington. Number three, Ohio State. Number two, Penn State. Mm -hmm. And number one, Oregon. There you go. For mine, uh, I'm going to say I've got five being Florida State, um, four Oregon, three Texas, two Georgia, and one Penn State. It's a pretty good top five. I like how there's so much variance in the top fives you can pick this year. Like, it's actually kind of hard to make this list right now. Yeah, it'll get easier yeah, I, as the year goes on, but right now is always a fun time of year where, like, it's it's still kind of up in the air who, like, the big dogs are in each conference. 
happening with that. I Notre Dame wouldn't have even fallen out of my top ten with that game just because it, it was so fluky. It felt like I agree. I agree. I can't. I can't dock them too much. I think they'll be back. All right. So now we're going to just kind of do a who wins segment on some of these upcoming games for the week. Um, we're not going to talk a whole lot about them, but we're just going to pick a winner. Yep. All right. So who wins? Number ten Utah at number nineteen Oregon State. Uh, let's go Utah. I think Oregon State kind of shouldn't be ranked, and they're going to lose a lot of games this year. Uh, I picked Utah. Uh, I disagree. Uh, Oregon State, I, I think, had, they were flashy after already being down a lot of points last week, while Utah felt kind of sluggish. It's just, it was a hard loss last week, so they'll either be really motivated to try to carry that late-game momentum now, or they'll just be crushed by it. I'm going to also pick Utah, but I do think Oregon State's better than Jimbo's, giving them credit Not for it. They still have a great offensive line. They have DJU. I think they're, they're a typical top 25 pack team, so, you know. Um, next game is number eight, USC at Colorado. I've got USC in a close one. I think Colorado's going to give them a scare just because USC doesn't have a defense, so it's going to be a shootout that USC ultimately prevails in. And if now... Oh, oh, sorry, go ahead. I got ahead of myself. If USC's line was just a little bit bigger, I'd call it a blowout. But yeah, I have USC like 14 points maybe. Yeah, yeah. I was literally sitting – I'm sorry because I, I, I couldn't help myself. I've been sitting here shaking because now <laughs> it's my time to give my lock of the week. My lock of the week is Colorado beats USC. Come on. You're, you're, oh, falling for, you're falling for Coach Prime, is what's happening. I'm not falling for Coach Prime. I'm just not falling for Lincoln Riley. Oh, that's fair. I think their defense is very undersized, and I think it's the type of defense that's not going to be able to take advantage of Colorado's also undersized oh, defense. How insufferable is ESPN going to be if Colorado wins this game? I was going to say, I don't think I could go a week if Colorado beat USC. I won't survive. I'd have to tap out of college football for a while. Oh, oh man! Okay. <laughs> Number twenty-two, Florida at Kentucky. Florida's winning, dude. Murder Mertz is back, and Kentucky. Listen, dude, I they're under they're undefeated somehow, but like let's let's be real. Florida's winning this one. Uh, I actually have Kentucky picked. Um, Kentucky is awful. They are <laughs> not a good football team. But first, it's at Kentucky. Um, if it was at Florida, I'd pick Florida 11 out of 10 times, but it's not. Florida looked really bad last week, 19-7 to 7 or something like that against Charlotte. It was – they looked really, really bad. Mertz, um, though. Mertz looked good. He had a uh, – 20, 20 for 23, 259 yards, one touchdown. And he doesn't first the ball down the field. That is always the most horrible – predictable short yardage passes. He can't keep doing that. It's just not going to work. It's just, I, I, it's possible Florida was looking past Charlotte and preparing for Kentucky. They're preparing for the big game. A week yeah, yeah. They're prepared. It's a big rivalry. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go ahead. I pick Florida for that one for reasons I just gave. <laughs> um. Next, we have number one, Georgia at Auburn. Lock of the week right now. I'm saying it. Say no, it. I'm saying oh, it. Oh, no. You two are going to hate this. But Auburn's going to win, baby. War dang eagle. Georgia is just the god. For, for three years now, we're waiting for them to be exposed. 
And I think Hugh Sleaze does it. I mean, no, thank you. We've watched Auburn, and they are legitimately really bad. <laughs> Weren't they ranked last week? Their defense isn't awful. Auburn has a pretty solid defense. Going into this week, they either led the nation or the SEC in nearly every defensive category. Um, they just couldn't get it. Their only score, their only touchdown against A and M was that pick six. Yeah. For what it's, it's just their offense is off. You have to remember. The offense looks more discombobulated than ours did versus Texas and South Florida. Georgia is only a 14-point favorite in this game as of the timing of this video. And this is at Auburn. If you're one of those those gambling addict people that loves to gamble, I would hammer that for Georgia. Wow. I I think it's going to be closer just because it's at Jordan here. That cursed place. That's true. I'm going to go ahead and pick Georgia on that one. All right, next we have number 24, Kansas, at Texas. At number three, Texas. Uh, I'm going to go Texas in a close one. You got your lock of the week this week for Banana Joe. Kansas beats Texas uh, by, I say, more than 20. No! At Texas! What are you talking? You listen to me. Kansas is going to get the ball rolling at some point. Texas, they're just going to get disheartened by the. I think it's going to be like the South Carolina Tennessee game last year, where most of those points didn't matter. The game was over. It's just Kansas was going to keep on scoring well after the game's been decided. Dang, dude. I can see Uh, Kansas winning in a close one, but in a blowout at Texas. That's bold. bold. uh, My heart says one thing, but my brain says another. Um, Yeah. I'm, uh, I don't want to have to pick this, but I have to. I have to predict Texas to win. Yeah. I just rock chalk, rock chalk. I want Kansas, I want Kansas, to, Kansas win. to win, I mean, and I can Kansas. see it happening, but I just yeah. don't think it's going exactly. to. <laughs> All right, number thirteen LSU at number twenty Ole Miss. Um, I'm going LSU because you guys in Alabama Nation believe that beating Ole Miss at home is like this big quality win. But I think LSU is just going to come out and smoke Ole Miss and and make your win look like peanuts. So I'm a hater, but give me the Tigers all day, baby. I have to agree. It's and it's probably going to be a slightly broken Ole Miss team. I mean, they just got battered. That's Their quarterback. Why. Yeah, yeah. Kiffin gives up, dude. Kiffin gives up the moment it's done. So. Obviously. And that's why they needed to play Bama later last year. He gets these big winning streaks to start off the year. He's a top ten team. They look unbeatable. They're averaging 460 points on offense. Uh, then they play a good team, and they don't win a game for the rest of the Exactly. I have to agree with both of y'all. I think it's going to be LSU. I just think they're not, like, battered in that sense. They're mentally battered. Right. I think just watching themselves come out flat when we were at our most vulnerable point has to just take its mental toll on them. And if they are able to kind of regroup from that, I don't think it would be this week. Well said. And the final game we're going to pick is we have number 11, Notre Dame, at number 17, Duke. Okay, speaking of regrouping, one team that needs to regroup, and I think will, is Notre Dame. Listen, dude, that loss was heartbreaking, but Notre Dame fought hard. I I, I thought Sam Hartman looked really good throughout the game. Notre Dame's defense was lights out. I see a lot of people kind of liking Duke in this one because it's it's, uh, in Durham, North Carolina this week, but... Give me Notre Dame, dude. I think Notre Dame comes out with a convincing win uh, on the road at night against Duke. Uh, I actually picked Duke to win this one for the 
because I think the exact opposite thing is going to happen <laughs> just because of how heartbreaking that loss was. It's like right there at the end, you were winning the whole time and they just couldn't keep it up. It, it's crushing. That's a really, really hard loss to take. It's going to it's gonna go one of two ways, the way I just described or the way you described, and that, that will decide the game, I think. Uh, I just feel like Notre Dame doesn't lose these types of games. It's hard to explain why it's, it's, it's not heartbreaking. Just it's not heartbreaking enough, you know. Like they would lose against like USC, but not Duke. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Another game I actually did have one while I wanted to uh, have us pick, and that is South Carolina at Tennessee. And I'm going to he'll go ahead and give my prediction that I think South Carolina wins. Yeah, you know, shots at the hash found one three two. I think Tennessee's real sus this year, dude. And, and South Carolina, for what it's worth, um, they played Georgia really close in the first half. They had a. They, they also they, they came up kind of flat against North Carolina, but that was the first game of the year. I think South Carolina, dude, with Spencer Rattler, their offense it's just like a ticking time bomb, right? Like like any game they could just, he just go off and drop like three hundred yards out of the out of thin air. So I think they do that against a weak Tennessee. I'm I'm iffy on like even picking a winner for this game. Tennessee, I definitely think last year they're just a one shot wonder. Oh yeah, but uh, I just don't know if South Carolina can go to Tennessee and beat them. It, nah, I'm sorry. This is another. My heart's telling me South Carolina, but my brain's telling me Tennessee. <laughs> that my brain's telling me South Carolina because. South Carolina is one of those teams. It's like they're always like eight and four, but they're the best eight and four team in the country and always play this brutal schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're uh, Tennessee. I also think Tennessee was a one year wonder last year. Their main thing they had like a twenty six year old quarterback, and their best receiver was a twenty five year old six year player. They don't have that extreme seniority anymore that they relied on. But you know who does? And now that the coach says they're ex- this coach has an extension. It's like yeah. they don't have the same like. Fire under them, and you can just see it. You know who does? Joe Milton is not good. A veteran quarterback, South Carolina. Spencer Rattler. He's been playing for like five years now. He's a fifth-year senior, so yep. I, I, I trust him on the road, man. I trust him. He's definitely better than Milton. Milton is. Oh yeah. Ugh. Oh yeah. Not good. No boy, no. Milton is like a dollar store Milro. <laughs> That's actually a perfect way to describe him because his play style is the same. He's inaccurate, bad decisions, but he can either run or throw 60-yard bombs. Mm-hmm. Motoro does all of that except just better. Well said. Well said. All right, any other games in the Randy or should we wrap it up? I think that about wraps it up. We'll wrap it up here. Well, before we conclude, I just want to say uh, thank you, Banana Joe, for coming on the show. Really appreciate you. Uh, you have the floor. Yep. Uh, it was really fun being on Jim Podcast. Definitely excited to be on here. The legendary, the Jim Podcast. Oh my gosh. Only one with the perfect five star rating in the sports section. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't forget to rate us five stars, everyone. All five of you listeners out there. We really appreciate that. Um, but um, as always, we appreciate the, uh, well, not really questions this week, the answers, rather, to our question uh, gave us plenty of great material to talk about. Shouts out to Washington, the official team of the Jim Bodcast. Um, anything else in Randy? Uh, I believe that's it. So we've, we've been rated five times, and it's been five stars. Yeah, perfect. Okay, let's go. We're, we're moving on up in the world with five ratings. <laughs> Thanks once again for listening, and uh, until next time, roll dang time.
Rock Chalk.